0: There was a time not long ago when buying an S&P 500 ETF was the surefire way to beat just about every professional Wall Street trader, hedge fund manager, stock picker, all of them. You just buy some VOO, wait a while, and boom better returns than the pros who spend all their time and energy analyzing data and trying to pick stocks. But now, at least for now, everything has changed. And it didn't take a fancy finance degree to figure out that when the world shuts down, some of those 500 companies that make up the S&P index are going to do better than others. By picking some tech stocks and avoiding the everything else, you can beat the index. One group of traders getting a lot of attention right now, Robinhood Investors, the free stock trading app, became the fastest growing financial app of all time and changed the rules for how, online brokers work, they did it by making the stock market more accessible, more approachable, and more fun. Since the stock market crashed, tons of first-time investors have flocked to sign up for Robinhood accounts because they see a generational opportunity to invest. That, of course, and some unexpected free stimulus money that just appeared magically in their bank accounts, plus there's nothing else to do. So today on Dumb Money Live, we're joined by the one and only Howard Lindzen. Not only did he see the promising future of Robinhood and invest in the company very early on, he has a unique stock picking strategy around identifying brands that appeal to everyone from age eight to 80, We'll learn about that. We're also going to talk about the Robin Hood effect and how this new generation of investors has killed the ETF. This is Dumb Money Live with Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan and Howard. Welcome to Dumb Money. First obligatory reminder, we have to smash the like button. We have to wake up the YouTube algorithm, let them know that we're on the air right now. Good Monday morning, everybody. Big thanks to Howard for joining us this morning. Um, for those of you, maybe one or two people who don't know Howard Lenzen or follow him on Twitter or read his amazing newsletter or listen to his podcast, I, I think he's on in more places than we are. He's a guru, investor, entrepreneur, founder of StockTwits. I, I forgot to bring my StockTwits hat. I was going to wear that today. Uh, he's basically an all-in-one fintech media phenomenon. So, Howard, welcome to the show. And I think Chris has the story about how we first met you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Can I... uh, By the way, guys, I I was up... Like, I always say this on Monday morning. I was up till almost 4 a.m., so nervous that I was going to basically not either sleep through the show or wake up with no energy for the show. And I woke up and was so freaking energized for this one because... I have been investing for 32 years, as you guys know, and other than maybe Peter Lynch when I was a kid, uh, one of the first investment books I've ever read, I have never felt a connection to anyone in the investment world. I have been watching CNBC since the very first day it aired. I think, Dave, you have as well. (laughs) Um, And yet I have never felt connected to technical traders or to fundamental traders or to Wall Street or to the people on financial networks, and then when Fintwit took off, I never really felt connected to any of the people on Fintwit because people just don't invest like I invest, and and it, I just I just felt like I was on this island all alone, and nobody understand understood me. No one really understood what social arb investing was. Or even if I made hundreds of millions of dollars as a social arb investor, there's no one from the investment world that would ever really appreciate it um, in any form until I somehow, on I think it was on StockTwits, I came across its founder, Howard, um, and I started reading about Howard. I started following his blog. And the name of his blog or his website or his motto is "Investing for Joy and Profit" or "Profit and Joy." I don't know; it's one or the other. And I, I just those words alone it kind of represent everything that investing is to me. And investing for me, more than anything else, is an absolute love. It's a passion. It's something that wakes me up in the morning and keeps me up till four in the morning every single night. And I, I, I just. I think I just wrote him an email or just started harassing him and calling him and emailing him. And I said, Howard, I have this thing. I have this company I'm starting ticker tags with my buddy, Jordan. I'm a social arb investing. I've had a lot of success and nobody gets me. I'd love to sit down with you and get your advice. And I I was out in San Diego and he was kind enough to take a meeting with me over lunch and we hit it off. And I just, Howard, thank you for coming on our show today. I know we don't get the, you're so busy. We're kind of crazy here at Dumb Money. We don't often get to really connect like this. I just want to say that you are a big inspiration for us three and for the Dumb Money Show. And guys, if there was, we get this question all the time what other investment books should I read? Who else should I follow? What other podcasts? And almost every time I'm like, nothing. I'm like, I kind of like Nassim Taleb's Black Swan as a supplementary reading to what we do Mm -hmm. here when it came in really it was very relevant this year. Right. Um, But this is one person that we could honestly say that read. go get Howard's book, 8 to 80, follow his blog, um, uh, watch his podcast. Right. And Howard, you have to tell us all those URLs to do that stuff. Chris, um, thanks for coming on the show today. Before
0: we go any further, we must address the elephant in the room. It is blowing up in our chat right now. <laughs> oh, what oh, is up clearly. with that stash? I mean, uh, I've well, seen—I've—I've I've now seen you for like 20 minutes before, so I kind of forgot that it was even yeah, different. Yeah. How fast did you pull that thing out?
1: It—it it was just uh, you know a week, a week, but but you wouldn't have noticed it until I shaved everything else off on Friday, um, Friday evening, and it was a prank that I pulled on my own family. Uh, my kids got it right away. They noticed it the very next morning. Uh, my my son was calling me Mario. My daughter was calling me um, – Dave, what's the YouTuber? What's his name?
0: Uh, Mr. Beast.
1: Mr. Beast. Uh, and uh, Howard has another reference. But what's so amazing is my wife did not notice this for half of a day. Right in front of her, that's how little she sees me, did not notice me for half a day. So I can hold that over her for the rest of her life if I miss a haircut or don't see this. That that was what it was all about. So anyway, I'm not going to keep it very long because my wife won't allow me to. But I felt like I needed it at least for today's show.
2: Well, you might be a redneck trader is what our tagline for the show is. <laughs> That's what I want to be a redneck <laughs> If you're up 4 a.m. trading penny stocks in China.
0: <laughs> we, uh, we could do a whole routine. That is a remarkable right. resemblance. I I yeah. think we actually need to promote you as Jeff Foxworthy. The, the Foxworthy, yeah. uh, Fox we'll on stocks, be, right? <laughs> we'll just do,
2: yeah, we'll do, make fun of uh, bad traders. It'll be a shtick that we do on dumb money.
0: Uh, <laughs> and the, the Q&A portion can be, I must stash you a question. oh Oh my gosh
1: but before we get into i I, we have so many questions for howard and and i want to get into the show subject but everyone would howard when we start our show we always especially on monday we like to talk about what we did what happened to our portfolio over the weekend uh especially during this volatile time one thing we talked about on our discord channel on friday was that We wanted to hedge this weekend because we're so nervous about the virus uh, uh, positive cases accelerating. At the same time, we were equally nervous about either the Fed doing something or a vaccine company coming out uh, and having positive news that we really didn't know what to do. And we didn't want to get caught with the market going way up or way down Monday morning and us getting slaughtered. So quite honestly, we were just confused. I I bought a bunch of puts. On the Dow, on the SPY uh, that expired today, and I bought a few calls as well, I sold them all when the market opened up. It served its purpose. I lost a bunch of money, but not nearly as much as I could have lost, and I was totally willing to lose that money this weekend just so I can sleep through the weekend and have a good time with my family without overly stressing out. Um, The reason why the market went up this morning, it looks like people have a little bit more positivity around uh, maybe the numbers uh, getting better. I think the Florida numbers were pretty low this morning, but we believe that could be a misinterpretation of the data. Uh, Also, Boeing had some positive news with their plane uh, now scheduled to be tested. Um, But I'm not believing it really yet. Uh, We check the numbers for COVID testing near me every morning, and they are worse than they've ever been today. The search uh, traffic. For people looking for how to get tested is through the roof it's it's what jordan you say 25 percent higher than friday which is a record uh, that's what
3: i'm seeing in like the hot spots like if you look at miami if you look at um uh dallas fort worth um houston actually didn't look as bad but i mean that could be just a you know blip or something like that in uh, la when i was looking was a little bit too early this morning to tell because uh, they there're 2 hours Howard,
1: uh, how, how do you ahead. do you let any of this impact you I know you're you're more of a hey single stock guy you're picking your single stocks you don't let this stuff bug you you don't do anything different over the to try to hedge your portfolio because you're nervous about the numbers getting bad today or this week does that impact the way you trade
2: no i mean it used to and i just changed my lifestyle right like the the, the that was my life and it wasn't suited to. I think we can get into all this stuff later. But it wasn't suited to how I was going to live my best life. It wasn't. It wasn't making me the person that I liked. I was, I was constantly judging myself based on my performance to the market. Now, now I, 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 you know, what I mentor other people is: who are you competing against, really? Right. You're only really competing against, you know what the lifestyle is that you want and how you want to live your life. So right now I'm so light. I'm about 50% long stocks. And obviously stocks isn't even a big part of my life because I got private equity. I've got, you know, my venture capital, I've got real estate and then it's stocks. And that's after I decide how much cash I want to live. So it works out that I'm not that long. And the stocks that I choose to be long are very aggressive trend ideas, very liquid, very aggressive trend ideas. And I've, the, the the stops are so far away on the things that I because of the move in the last four or five months, the stops are so far away from where I care uh, that I like my strategy does. I don't worry about that because I am going to give back a lot of money at some point, but it's just built into my trend strategy. So I try and ride these things as long as I can. And so we can. No, I mean, I'll do stupid things. I like sell too much of a stock, you know, in the middle of a run. But um, generally, I, I try not to worry over the weekends because that's the way I was. And I wasn't I, I it didn't fit my fit my uh, personality or living a, a better life.
1: You see, that's what I love. I mean, I, I just what you're saying right now is so obvious to me that it doesn't fit my life either. And I can't be doing this that much longer. I, I, and I, I really hope that once we get through this year uh, and this volatility passes, we will get back to never doing that again. Because this is not something that we've ever done in the past.
2: Yeah, um, I, can tell you've never, I can tell you've never done because you said that. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with doing March when I started my podcast. You know, I was never going to have time to do a podcast, just like you guys don't have time to do this. Um, but life changed uh luckily for guys like us so far knock on wood poo poo salt over my shoulder um we haven't been directly you know you've got a re- you, we've all got stuff that's shut down um but you know in this weird world if i owned four restaurants it would be hard my life would be harder than owning a hundred digital portfolio companies so so i mean <laughs> you want know, to say if i owned one restaurant and that was my life. My life would be way harder than me having a portfolio of 100 digital companies. So, you know, I'm just lucky, uh, not smart. I mean, the trend, obviously, living in the future a little bit, I saw the digital, you know, I wanted to be involved in digital. This is years ago. Uh, you know, if we woke up tomorrow and the cloud was down, I don't even know what that means. But if Amazon was down, I wish I would have been in the restaurant business. Uh, so I'm saying, like, we, we lived in this, we're living through a perfect storm for people that are land-based hospitality. No one had saw this coming. If you had told me that, you know, I was talking to some of my friends at Uber and if you had told me ex Uber and, you know, if you told me I wasn't going to take an Uber, uh, you know, for the last five months, I would say, what, what yeah. are you talking about? And then if you told me that Uber eats, numbers went directly vertical and in, in Instacart, you know, we were laughing at DoorDash five months ago. So again, I, I it's very humbling. Uh, so I appreciate all the, the uh the intro that was very nice of you but i think the thing we like about investing is it's very humbling we're constantly on edge and i think what you're learning even though you have a knack for understanding how markets work there's only so much you can do of this right there's you know what got got me bored with kramer and cnbc and fast money this is like so irresponsible to think that this is a lifestyle the lifestyle that you have in your old show where you travel around and you meet companies and you meet founders and you you have a 10-year horizon and you know that you can get rich from investing in America, not in public stocks, uh, is great. You guys have built your own edge and your own audience, and I have an edge and an audience, but I don't live to do it. I love the markets because they're there for me when I want them, and I treat them with the respect, as you guys do, that it could kick your ass at any point, as you were worried this weekend. Yeah, and I, and I think I that's get, kind
0: of how we, we generally, you know, balance our time. Right now is a very different time, but generally speaking, different. we find like one or two big stock plays a year, and then we have yeah. a nice little balanced portfolio of the kind of companies that that you invest in the the uh, yeah. the Netflix, Amazon of the world, right? Yeah, yeah. For me, it was like
2: okay. You know, I'm not a I'm not I'm not a buy the dip guy, but March 10th, I woke up and I said, I'm starting a podcast because people are losing their mind. And if I get Jim, you know, I'm going to call Fred Wilson and Jim O'Shaughnessy. I'm going to call the people and we're going to talk calmly about how this will eventually pass. And it's going to be, you know, we're not going to get into the health part of it. We're going to get into what would you do today if you woke up and the S&P was where it was. And it happened to be, you know, a week within the bottom And I just happen to have all this time on my hand. I still won't be much leaving my house until, you know, October, November. So, you know, make content. It's made me a better investor. So I've used this time to learn the language in a different way, you know, the language of the markets. And I both made some money at VIX 80. And and I'm running, you know, Spotify and Peloton and a couple trends that I that I saw. I'm not fancy about it. I just think there was a couple big moves that you can make. And if you get one a year, that's fantastic. We just happened to get two, uh, you know, epic moves. Which, if you were in the right frame of mind, if you followed the right people, and this goes to the social stuff, you don't have to read a billion things a day. You just have to have a good network, a peloton of people that you can call on to just trail the great white sharks and just do a little bit better than most. And, and the trades have just been layups this year. And we could we can hem and haw, I should have put more money to work, I should have taken more risk. But the point is, people need to, be, to learn how to be on the right side of the market first, of big moves. And then you'll slowly get calm. Once you get confidence of like zigging when others are zagging, or just riding a trend, then you can up your game. And I try and teach people, it's like first learn when to not panic. And then second, learn when to spot a trend because moves in six weeks can be three years worth of moves. And we've seen that. And so that's what, you know, that's kind of the goal of stock twits. and my whole mantra has been is like, it's not easy, but it's not as hard as they would make you believe. And you could do this in 10 hours a day, or you can do this in 10 minutes a day. You have to choose what's what's best for you. And I just don't like the 10 hours a day. I love talking about markets to, to try and, pinpoint the two or three times a year where i can make outsized returns a very you know just studying how the market moves there's two or three times a year where if i'm prepared i am going to make all my returns i don't have to compete against the s and i don't have to compete against cnbc i don't have to compete against my friends i'm just waiting 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 for those precise moments and writing as you guys know with too writing has been a key thing. So I tell people in their downtime, you should be writing because writing prepares you to be prepared when the moments happen. And I happen to believe that March was a rare, rare moment. And we got, whoever followed us, got on the right side of that. You know, I don't know where we are today. So just quick segue into where you were this weekend. That's exactly how I felt about the last three weeks. So, uh, I'll be pleasantly surprised if we go up, I'm rooting for America I'm rooting for the crisis. I'm rooting for uh, just clear thinking. Um, But the odds and the data tell me we're fucked. You know, so so my eyeballing of the data says this is horrific for most of America. But digitally, I've also come to realize this is fantastic. The world that I live in is a giant 24-hour Zoom, Robinhood, twits. Netflix, Hulu video game, and I'm just part of the system. And it's a whole economy that people can't measure in its own. So I'm, you know, as I've slowly moved my portfolio now quickly, digital, 100% digital, where I got rid of Disney, I got rid of Nike, even though I love them as 8 to 80 brands, there's better digital 8 to 80 brands. So those are those small adjustments that I've had to make.
1: Can you tell us what an 8 to 80 brand is cuz this is Howard Howard's thing is these these 8 to 80 brands and it's it's kind of it's really genius and it's just yet so obvious and so intuitively makes sense. Can you explain how you came up with that? The history there and what an 8 to 80 brand is?
2: Yeah, I'm not a good marketer. I think I think I you know, one of the and this goes to we'll, we'll talk about maybe um how I broke some of our rules with my partners and we invested in a manscaped. Right. So, because, uh, you have to break rules sometimes, right? Like a couple simple rules, right? It's the, you know, the world has got great white sharks and, and I'm a pilot fish and I'm, you've got to decide where you are and you can't lie to yourself. If you were a great white shark, it's cool. Like there's very few people that can kill you. I'm in the pilot fish camp. I I believe if you stay close to great white sharks as investors, you make a lot of money. Second thing is the Peloton, right? Like we're a Peloton, the five, the four of us. I'm seeing double a a couple of you. And that's because I just took an Adderall, I think. But anyway, so (laughs) the the peloton. I'm, I'm a rider. Here's my Rafa shirt. But the Peloton is a beautiful thing, right? The fact that 30 or 100 people can ride that tightly together to block take down 40% of the wind and they're doing 40 miles an hour in a flat where you and I could pedal our our, our our in perfect shape and do 24 miles an hour. You, you have to understand how that works. And that's how the markets work too, is, you know, just breaking down resistance and riding with a group of people. And the breakaway is when, when you have a, a set of knowledge and you want to leave the Peloton or you want to get in front of the great white shark, you're, you're still going to have to have those moments, but, riding with a group of smart people or investing with a group of smart people or following a small group of smart people is all you need. Eight to 80 is simply fuck, you know, as having kids and you guys have kids, I think, uh, I know you do, Chris, the, um, looking over their shoulders as two year olds and three year olds and watching them grow up with YouTube and, um, uh, they didn't get Zoom or TikTok till recently. Like I, we were ahead of them on Zoom and TikTok, the adults, but um, Snapchat and um, Nike. And you just see, wait a minute, their, their, their first words are Nike and Google and YouTube. And, you know, I'm 50 and those are my words. And and so trying to find brands that have demand from eight-year-olds to 80-year-olds, I guess you could call it now in the digital world, two-year-olds to 102-year-olds. So you could call it whatever you want. But those are the brands you know, you know, in a Peter Lynch way, the demand is 100 year timeline, right? You know, maybe it won't be Gmail, but Google Maps, a 100 year brand, um, you know, uh, Nike, um, Tencent now in China. Um, what are some of my other ones? Uh, Spotify. These are brands that like you can rest assured as rare assets, that when they drop 20 or 30%, those you, you have a list of these. These are the ones you buy when the markets are down 20 or 30%. And so I just built this list of things that just I will go shopping when the market is in turmoil. Uh, when the market's good, you ride as much as you can, and you, and you responsibly take some profits. And I'm just constantly building this list of 8 to 80 brands, and I would say that really it's 2 to 102 because of the digital nature of these things, and the world starts making sense, right? Then you don't have to worry about airlines. Because they're never going to make that list because they have too much leverage and not enough profits and very cyclical. You just stop. part of investing and why I don't like the S and P five hundred is since when do we have? to... Why is five hundred stocks you know make sense yeah. in a digital world? <laughs> um, you know why does. Um, why does owning oil make sense in a world where infinite scalability of the cloud? Like, why make the job harder? So I think eliminating things, starting with a list and eliminating, makes it much easier than building a list. So, you know, the 8 to 80 list is something for people to start with and go, you know, there's too much, like today, like the last few months, there's too much land-based stuff in my in my 8 to 80 list. You know, the world's changed, you know. I love Nike, uh, but no, I love Lulu, but it got too expensive for me, so I swapped it into Peloton. Um I love Disney, but man, if Disney just spun off their 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 video thing, that would be interesting. But with the land-based business, there's way better businesses for me to own for the next generation that just won't have this havoc wreaked upon them. You know, hospitality and travel are changed forever. Um that doesn't mean I'm bearish. It just means why do I wanna own something that has a drag on it? If you're gonna keep up with the Peloton, you've got to constantly have the fastest bike. And for me, my bike and my companies, and I wanna have companies that really make sense. They're gonna survive dips, but also thrive in expansions. So that's, that's simply I,
0: I, And your eight to 80 list is one that, that you you publish. You you talk about it all the time yeah, in your blog, you link to it. You have yeah. uh, on KoiFen, I follow, I subscribe to it and follow it and see when you make changes. I, I think the only remaining uh, land-based business that I saw on your last list was McDonald's and everything else is yeah. digital, right?
2: and mcdonald's i just got wrong uh now i'm being you know this goes to you know some mistakes that you make no matter how good you are how is that not Domino's? i'm just an idiot right like you know <laughs> and, and the main reason is i just don't eat the product right yeah. like i try like I, I i definitely a few times along COVID, i was just like i gotta order dominoes and they're great at it like Leaving the bag, you know, 20 feet away from your house and running for the hills. And they were doing a little, right, little but box you, riser that they leave yeah, on your front porch so it doesn't get soggy.
0: White. Yeah. 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 It, but I keep blocks. telling Chris that I should have bought Domino's and I, I never did. And and right. I keep looking back saying, why didn't I do it then? Why didn't I do it then? So it's, okay, you can't get I'll, it wrong from time to the, time.
2: The, I'll tell you the Domino's moment for me. And this is, you know, me being stupid is the Domino's moment for me was, you know, my son and I would go golfing and uh, he's he's a jujitsu like all these kids at, at um their phones it's a magic wand right like you once you see that it's like you can never be bearish again on technology but he would we'd finish a round of golf he would um triangulate ordering a pizza to be delivered at the same time that we got home so really it was a logistics play Domino's had solved logistics for food for a kid he was triangulating a fucking food order for ten dollars to arrive the minute he got home from golf i mean that's just magical right you know uh, Domino's is a logistics technology company
3: it is the, the thing that uh that shocks me about Domino's, um and the reason that i never saw it is because i mean people are trying to eat healthy right now and talk about one of the least healthy foods you can put in your body. And the whole thing bread. <laughs>
2: Processed bread. And I'm totally with you. And I, I wanted to have a restaurant. You know, you guys are reminding me that I can pro- – you know, it just feels – I feel naked to not have a restaurant on the 8 to 80. McDonald's, I felt, as a user of McDonald's, whether I'm biking and stop for a coffee in, in their app and, or their breakfast, I always found there was something on the menu at 100 or 200 calories that could just – while I'm riding, you know, long rides, I could just – So for years, I've been riding, and McDonald's is always around for me to stop and get a coffee or water. uh, You score the
3: apple pie? That's what I would get if I was on a ride. Yeah, I'm
2: the the breakfast burrito guy for a, a dollar. I just... It's like going to a strip bar. I just throw dollar bills and get burritos. <laughs>
1: but, but I think there was, there's a generational bias with Domino's because let's be honest, our, our, our age, our generation, Domino's was a fell apart as a brand for a while before it had its comeback, yeah. and it, it, we didn't understand that. And I'm, I'm I want to throw out a possible stock pick. It's a stock that I actually started buying on Friday. I bought more of it this morning, and I want to. I really want to talk to get Howard's opinion on it because Howard. Was very early on Lululemon. Um, you know, I was as well. But it's 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 some of these brands. I think Howard, you have a good eye for. And mm-hmm. I'm going to call out a brand that I hated on Thursday. I hated it so much on Thursday. It's a company that I have been shorting for the past few months, and I went long on Friday because it's a brand that I think our generation has completely forgotten it's such a terrible brand for our generation but the new generation probably doesn't have the bias towards how bad that brand is and with the introduction of kanye west okay i was just saying if i could
0: predict it and pull up the the chart while you were talking yeah Yeah. i'm
1: talking about the gap i wonder and it's not that it's a high conviction you know trade for me or anything like that but i just wonder if because because they're in a turnaround, they have a new CEO. They were potentially going to completely close the Gap brand, keep the yeah. other brands, but close the Gap. Yeah. I wonder if they're they are at a stage where they're ready to do something so bold and so innovative with with everything top top down that if we could be talking three years from now and it, does the Gap become the dominoes of the retail apparel world? I don't know. I'm just saying. For them to, it's not so much about Kanye, it's the fact that they pulled that off with Kanye and that they even had the wherewithal to seek that deal out with him that aggressively to make it happen. Well, and also you have
0: to factor in that that Gap was an aspirational brand in the late 60s, early 70s, and then it had this rise and it was was kind of cool in the 90s and then it fell apart. So it has the potential of being a, a, a fun streetwear brand, I guess, right? Yeah.
2: okay so great one i just pulled it up so i I have i'm gonna have a good friend alex bard who was buying it at five and i was just berating him in march um you know because Mm -hmm. there were so many names that i loved, like starbucks and zillow like brands that i loved i didn't get gap at five he's a smart investor and uh he was just like gap's not going away and uh all right you know, he's a smart guy and I didn't think anything of it. Now I look at it's 12 bucks. I still think you would have done better in other stocks, but I think yeah, I'm a little bit biased. Uh, we have an LP that's, you know, in the family, the gap family and on the board. And I'm friends with another board member. Um, in hindsight, it seems obvious that they're smart people. And yes, you have, you can't just be a brick and mortar company. You know, I call it fashology. I think what scares me there is do they understand fashion and tech, right? Like it can't just be cotton t shirts and jeans anymore, right? And so I worry that no matter how much they change, um, can they become that Lulu type brand, an everyday wear brand? And I don't know. Teens are so fickle and they get so many ads on Instagram uh, for, you know, and there's so many look alike clothings. Uh, that I would worry, but it's an interesting idea.
3: Yeah, I mean, as far as competing with Lulu, though, I mean Athleta. My wife prefers Athleta,
2: um, so, so I feel like they're doing a think?
3: good job on the women's yeah. side of that.
2: Because prices, or because what?
3: Uh, I think she likes. She just likes their fit better. Uh, she likes the, way the the clothes fit her better. I think the, they get really. They're doing really good things with materials um, mm-hmm. on the women's side. Um, but obviously, they're they're not doing anything to compete with men.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. I think that looks like a really interesting idea, especially if retail opens. You know, I was I was trading Simon Properties as the proxy for all of retail, and it did pretty well. And I'm, d- I'm now avoiding it because I just don't know what's going to happen for the next year. I feel without a um, without a vaccine, uh, I think pretty much America right now is in a holding pattern. Um, You know, we're all waking up rooting for uh, finally for corporate America to solve this, which it's in their interest to solve. Right. So overall, I'm bullish because they got to solve this. Uh, It's just a time issue. So so with the gap, it's just a question of what's their next move. If they can show another good move. Yes. The stock can be a twenty dollar stock. They only need to get one or two more things. Right. Because there's so much operating leverage and if they can get their leases redone and all their competitors are going to go out of business, yada, yada, yada. But in the end, I think what Lulu solved was Gap had to be a four season company and they were getting away with that. And that was the world. And now we're in a 12 season monthly, you know, uh, thing and we're the same fact. There's no seasons in a way, unless you wear expensive clothing, there's no real season. <laughs> no, really? Like unless you're high fashion, there's no season. You wear a Lulu sweatshirt and a Lulu shirt. No, and, and it's like your animals at this point. And that's one of the reasons I sold my Lulu is it's become too obvious, right? Like it's. You know, in my world, it's easier for a Peloton to become a Lulu than a Lulu to become a Peloton. So I'm going to take the I'm going to go on the 10 billion dollar play, hoping it can be 50 versus Lulu holding on to its crown at 50. You know, so. So, you know, what's really interesting about the
1: gap, Howard, they 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 took all they're like the only retailer I've heard of that's taken all of their inventory that didn't sell. And they're just going to put it in a warehouse for next spring. (laughs) They're they're not even, they're not trying to like sell it off. They're just going to save it for next year, which I don't know what that exactly says about them, that they're they're not, they're so unstylish.
0: They're either timeless or they're unstylishly classic. Uh, I don't don't know. Like I said, a
2: cotton t-shirt is, 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 is timeless, right? Well, a good round neck or a V-neck cotton t-shirt is timeless.
0: But, uh, well, to bring this I, I back to t- Robinhood, though, uh, we did see that Robinhood account holders picked it up. They took notice of this Kanye news, and they went from having very few people having it to like 300% more people on Robinhood. According to RobinTrack, now are Gap investors. So,
3: Man, I think it's crazy how much Robinhood has gotten the headlines lately, uh, especially when you look yeah, at the assets under management for Robinhood. It's so small, but yet they're being blamed for like, all that's wrong with wall street and all this it's it's kind of blowing my mind i like that they're getting the pump
2: um, yeah i mean i'm getting the listen sometimes you get lucky i'm getting the pump as a shareholder as an early shareholder first you get stressed right so let me walk you through the moods because chris is an lp i don't know chris is it okay to disclose we that? All, yeah no we, no, we, we all, we, we all Jay
1: bought in uh jordan bought in uh so yeah oh, we're, we're all lps yeah. Yeah, all
2: sure. Robin Hood. we're yeah. having a fucking hell of a year <laughs> I, the uh, all right so i'm really happy that you guys are all partners in this the um i don't have inside information so i'll tell you like from mood reactions right like the minute i saw robin and i think he might have met the guys in 14 when they came to palooza and they were you know crash drinking on the couch and the regular guys right like with an idea what that nobody that? loved it was How- laughed at
1: can you tell what what, what stock is cuz it's one of my favorite things that Howard does just for the stock twits community guys. This is an annual event that Howard throws and it's literally when he says the joy of investing, this is the only stock this is the only stock or investment centric event I've ever been to in my entire life. Hmm. That is actually interesting and fun and joyous to go could you tell our everybody what this is that you guys do at Stock Twits?
2: The Howard pump on the show is very high. I My, we're nip-
3: long, we're long
2: My <laughs> nipples are, are a little warm. <laughs> uh, the um the idea was listen, Stock Twitch was just such good people at the beginning, you know, they really bought into my community thing, right? We're going to kick people off. We're going to find like-minded people, but we're not robots, right? Like you just have to behave. So, so our idea of an online community was like, Jesus fucking Christ, you don't need like what, like my problem with Twitter and Facebook is once you start writing the rules for one specific person, you're fucked. Right. And that's, that's, that's an important distinction to make. Like it's like, you know, it's the movie with, um, Not, uh, not The Shining. The movie that uh, Stephen King. It was a book where uh, um, you know he touches such great action. He could see the future when he touches you, and he could see you know that he was going to blow up. uh, He was going to push the uh, nuclear button, and and the whole point becomes: What do you do if you know that uh, he's going to push? Would you kill a future Hitler? And, you know, at at Stocktoots, we used to have those discussions like what happens if Kramer comes on and he starts pumping penny stocks or all these people come? Are we going to kick them off? And we had to have these arguments because it was spam. You know what I mean? We were worried about spam all the time. And those early decisions still hold true. Our decision at Stocktoots was we're going to build a community. Right. It may be 20,000 people. It may be a million people. But the only way to get to a million people is to have the right 10,000 people. And, you know, and that's not a great VC model in hindsight. It's a great long-term community uh, model but um so part of that model was like let's have events once a year you know you know, be a way to monetize but well the people that really love community will show up and so so we picked coronado which is where i lived <clears throat> at the time we said if we br- if we build it they will come kind of like if if there really is a, a community out there they'll show up for this event and it's going to be a weird strange you know mostly guy what we thought community as it turns out after 10 years of doing this thing it was just a great group of like-minded people and like-minded meaning they loved the markets and they were civilized and they were they were inquisitive and they liked getting together and i think what made it really wacky is it wasn't really about stocks i would talk about trends and we would have companies that we were investors in Uh, trying to explain how I think about the world. And so it really wasn't a stock event. It was more like an event around investing. And that's what I really love, right? Like investing is what I love, right? Because trading, there's good traders and they can be born or they can be taught. But I think the idea of learning to sit back and let things really work for you is, is the real, if all the great investors, right? There's nobody on the fortune list that short stocks, as a profession and there's very few hedgers on the list most of the people on the list invested in themselves uh you know are ceo-led public companies so you can't you know those are the those are the models so so yeah the event became a great thing when robin when we invested in Robinhood. it's 2014 or 2000 yeah and we were shocked right like we just could not believe that an app didn't exist on the smartphone that you know in an Uber world that you couldn't trade. So, so the idea of Uber for trading is was just. I knew from Stock StockTwits and Twitter that it was going to work. I just knew that we could get ten thousand people to to trade for free, and and how dumb I am is, is the only advice I gave those guys when I came out of the first pitch meeting and we wrote a hundred thousand dollar check. Was I called Tom and I go, these idiots think that they should be free. I said, wait, they're going to charge a buck a trade. I go, you know, the Jew in me was like, the Jewish guy in me was like, why would you give it away for free? This is, he can do it for all in us. So in their, in their uh, wisdom, they, they looked at me, agreed, and obviously, you know, couldn't wait till I left the room. They took my money and didn't listen to me. So uh, <laughs> and that's why they're billionaires and I'm a thousandaire. But uh, we, we we invested in the company. They let us invest in the company. And, and the whole way along, I, other than a few people, 99% of the people thought it was a dumb idea. And I think what, what was going on, this is the VC frame of mind. And this is what I got right. And I knew it. I got it right for the right reasons. The VCs were spending tens of millions of dollars trying to recreate Vanguard on an iPhone. Right, their their whole bet was assets under management. Let's get to let's get to a trillion under management, and that's what the VCs got wrong. I think what we're seeing with DraftKings and with Robinhood, it's and 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 macroeconomically matters too. It's like the movie Blow. Like having assets is a headache. Because you're earning, zero, like in a zero interest rate world, what's the great, we're seeing it in the banks. Like it's a shitty business. Meaning you're going to have to charge people to hold the money. You're looking for more houses to houses. Like you, in the movie Blow, when they realize in that house on the island, they have no more room to store their cash, right? And they have to go like buy places to store their cocaine and cash. So I think we're at that way with money, right? In a digital world, being a bank is the dumb thing. Being the transaction layer and being the layer where people use you as a utility is where the money is. So I think where Robinhood won was, they are customer acquisition. So whereas Wealthfront and Betterment raised tens and hundreds of millions of dollars to go spend $400, the same as TD Ameritrade to get a customer, Robinhood was paying zero. So if you look at TD America's marketing budget of four $500 million public information, and they acquire 100,000 customers with that, they're spending $400 a customer. So if Robinhood's buying, getting a million customers for zero marketing, they're worth $400 million. That was my bet. I go like, if they get to a million customers and don't spend any money, they're worth $500 million. And I, I think that is really the arbitrage that won. And I think we're seeing it today is like, you can figure out how to make money off these people. Now, they've done a great job of building the whole stack and they built their own clearing firm and yada, yada, yada. And that's how you get from 1 billion to 8 billion. But um, I knew the minute I saw it. And there's very few times in your life that you, you see it. And it was because of stock twits and Twitter that I, that I saw that.
3: Well, and they and were how, you, how much have you been freaking out when they've been having uh, oh. like major system outages oh. and all this
2: stuff? So, right. I was going to tell you that. So in March or February when this systems outage happened, and I never get calls from ILPs. They trust me. They like me. I, you know, and it just lit. The, the, the phone board's lit up, Joe.
0: <laughs> and it
2: was like, you should have sold. And, and this is a zero. And really smart people, really good friends of mine. And there was a bit of a panic. And because uh, we 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 sold some along the way, it, it, you know, because we do do that, um, but you do feel dumb for a minute, and then my friend Brian Norgard, who who ran Twitter, who ran Tinder for and growth, was an LP of ours. I called him and I go, "What do you think?" He goes, "Howard, if if people if people want to sell you their stock here, buy it." He goes, "They don't understand scale." and you know and so he was the calm head in the room that said you should be a buyer if people want to sell this thing at a billion buy it and you know within two weeks the story had passed we all know brokerages have outage in a calm world the lesson is and we've all been through this have multiple brokerage accounts you can't have one point of failure for your money okay like okay so take that as a lesson people is like I have five accounts, right? I have a count in Canada. I got a in fucking all over just so I can dial somebody in case something happens, right? So I've, got be-
3: a, I've got a funny anecdotal story about this with uh, with Robinhood. I, you know, all sorts of people are trying to get into investing right now. Yeah. I love it. Um, and so they, they know who I am and they reach out to me for advice. And they ask, like, hey, what do you use? Uh, I was thinking about getting Robinhood. And I'll tell them, hey, I use, you know, primarily I use TD Ameritrade. Um, you know, they're pretty stable platform. You know, Robinhood is great. They've had, you know, a few uh, system glitches yep. over the past few months, just so you know. Um, but, you know, I would recommend TD Ameritrade, even though I'm a investor in Robinhood. And mm-hmm. you know what? They, they all deal with
0: Robinhood, no matter what. <laughs> I fun. It's fun. It's easier and everything so about it.
2: So I have some thesis here, so I don't know. I think we have... You guys will stop me when uh, you get bored. But and this is all anecdotal. I'm not. I'm a very anecdotal person because, you know what, I trust my instincts and I trust the data that I see. I trust my eyes and ears and network. Right? And not enough people spend time on that so they watch CNBC. You watch CNBC just for because you're using it for an edge. Most people watch CNBC thinking there's an edge. I just stick with my network, right? Because I can call Brian and go, Brian, you, you've had Tinder outages or you've had bad press at Tinder. Did it slow your growth? He goes, no, it helps our growth. And all I had to hear from someone who's who's seen that type of scale, tell me this helps their growth. And I stopped panicking and no. I started calming down my client with that. I, I saw a guy who's seen that growth, who's seen all the scandals at Tinder and he told me their numbers go up on Monday. So, um, so that's when I calmed down quickly and we went into the, okay, we, we have to calm everybody down. They don't really understand this and we've got to explain it in English for those people that are worried. And luckily you know, and then you throw in COVID and maybe we got a little lucky. I wouldn't have predicted that. The 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 thing that I think Robinhood has done, and this will lead into some of our newer investments, is there used to be this world, Chris, guys, where we would think it was cool to have five screens. right? You weren't a trader unless you could afford five screens, and you were dialed into trading 700 categories, and you knew what the fucking yuan was doing, and you knew what the yen was doing. And I'm like, I didn't know any of this shit. Except I had five computers and I was miserable. I think this generation's edge is that they've learned to look at the world in one screen. Now, you can make fun of it. but That is their secret weapon that when they look at the world, they've got to curate the world down to eight tickers on their Robin Hood screen. And that is their edge. Okay. And everybody's making fun of them, but that is their edge. Between their friends, there you go with the eight screens. How could you follow? Yeah, so you could follow the market. I know a lot about nothing, but these kids <laughs> <have> the eight brands <laughs> that they, they and their friends want to own, and that is their edge. No different than floor traders used to be football players, and used to be intimidating, and used to be cut, you know hired from as athletes, and then it went to the electronic screen, and all those knuckleheads went away because the guy who wasn't good at Intimidating was good at the screen. And now we've got a Robinhood trader which really curates his ideas down to eight ideas. The next phase, my bet, is for the 10 or 20 or 30 million people that have been onboarded, a certain percentage of those have earned the right and have loved trading and investing enough to expand their screen. Meaning for the people that have learned to trade on one screen, they should treat themselves to a second screen and a koi fin where they can really dig in and really do some work and really do some analysis and comparison and technical work and fundamental work to see why these companies do that in a beautiful, elegant way. So, I think we're going to be have the, we've gone to the unbundling or the bundling where everything went down to the iPhone screen. And now we're about to head back post COVID and post, uh, you know, when the Robinhood traders get their ass kicked, which we know is going to happen. We, we're not judging it, it just happens. Uh, the people that survive the next. Uh, downdraft are going to demand a better user experience and for their post-trade world and so we think a Fin and stuff like this is going to be very interesting coming out of it
1: I, I, guys, you know, I always trade all my everything I do, all my research, all my trading is on this screen, my iPhone. And mm-hmm. I always say that the best way to filter through the noise of Wall Street is to force yourself to do everything on this screen right here. Yeah. And, that's, and I don't even use Robinhood as my account, but, but this is everything. I, I don't do anything other than my iPhone when it comes to trading. Um,
2: and I use like, Morgan Stanley. I still prefer to have a person... I'm old school because I, you know, I've done Robinhood trades where I like I just made stupid mistakes, you know, just flick of the wrist and like, I, you know, the XIV was my stupid trade three years ago where, you know, it was a minute to close and I was too lazy to call my broker to do an options trade and I just bought XIV and it went to zero. And I was the last online trade that, you know, I broke my own rules. It was a lazy trade. You know, read the perspectives. I find that all bullshit. I got screwed. I take responsibility. But that was a bad product. So so for all the people talking about Robinhood's bad, um, the real bad actor here continues to be the SEC and the government because they're arming these old platforms with products that add no value to the system. There is zero value add by a triple leveraged ETF. So I, I honestly will change the discussion. You want to talk about Robinhood, I want to talk about the SEC and Black, and, and all these companies creating these fucking stupid products that create mindless, lazy investing, much like the Vanguard S&P 500. The initial, the, the, re, the reason Vanguard's here was a great reason. We were getting ripped off, but now we're getting ripped off on the other end. We have, we're too diversified, we're too dumb, and everybody on Wall Street's joined into this party of, like, set and forget, you know, buy, the, buy Vanguard, buy the SPY, buy the QQQ. I really think those products work for still a, a ton of people. But the way they've embedded themselves into the system through, through time dated, uh, you know, in your 401ks, is just basically everybody owns vanilla and is hoping that vanilla works 50 years from now. It's not going to work. People are going to be steered off a cliff and we're going to see more marches. We're going to see more months like March. And if we had, if that, if March had gone on through May and people had opened their statements two months in a row with those losses and the bonds, we would have had anarchy. Right. So the, the Fed did what they had to do. But, you know, I still worry about two mo- people opening their statements with two months down 20 percent. What would happen?
1: But that's yeah. what's created most of the opportunity, the fact that there's so much money in these ETFs. Yeah. Let me tell you, so Peloton and Amazon and there's a dozen other companies like that, that there is no under no circumstance in March. Could you have made a rational case that those companies would do worse, not better because of work at home, stay at home? Yet they yeah. all got crushed almost equally. The rest Different. of the and that was an opportunity,
2: right? For it all of us, was. Investors. it was scary, but in the end, it was an opportunity. I was too busy on brands I really knew. I wasn't a Peloton user, still not. I get the story, and I got long at 30, but I would have got scared out on the move to 17. I know that stock now inside and out. And you're right, that got that got dumped with every ETF, and and that is why my show in March and why the panic with friends was a good idea because this. Type of price discovery is thrown out the window in high vix situations and those people that know like i was buying lulu at 130 i was buying (laughs) Restoration hardware at 90. same yeah we uh, we
3: made made the same trades
2: yeah (laughs) yeah it was obvious that, that everything and i just think that set off the robin hood craze meaning uh, kids with an Uber and with Netflix. You know, when, you're, when my son can come to me and say, with a straight face, with a fucking straight face, they don't even have a smoking pot problem, and say, Dad, I've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix. Okay, in a world where if someone has that much time to actually believe that they ran out of things to watch on Netflix, to tell that millennial that they can only buy the S&P 500 is like, you're only asking for what robin hood created so we're create the the by offering these by telling these people this mantra of invest in the s p 500 you're just creating that's the dumbest thing we can ask kids to do in a free country where they should be able to pick the brands that they want i'm not saying that s p 500 isn't work for 90 percent of the people that want 10 to 20 10 percent a year for 40 years that's a great strategy it's a momentum strategy it is but there's 500 stocks i think you can do better finding an index you know whether it's gaming or the cloud and and hold it for 20 years it's going to beat 500 stocks and i just want people to get a little bit smarter and you know that's kind of my mission every day
3: so howard i've, howard. I've seen you actually i've seen you recommend the triple q um to people um mm-hmm. which again maybe it's more of a hands-off type person that you're I'm talking to, uh, but is that something that, you know, you would advise people to do over the
2: S&P? Take your strategy that you would apply to, you know, your 10 favorite stocks or your uh, S&P 500 and apply it at least to industries that we know are going to be relevant 30 years. You know, there's no energy reliance or solar reliance in terms of Tesla and stuff, but there's no, there's no land-based reliance key businesses in that index okay and you've got the warning shot of warning shots fired over the bow here right in terms of COVID, yes land-based businesses will come back but they'll be forever changed in terms of their leverage structure and in terms of their risk profiles right whereas digital businesses again Barring the cloud going down, obviously, which is you know a, a risky phenomenon, I guess. If Google and if Azure and, and Amazon and you know or, you know China takes down the cloud or Russia takes down the cloud, I mean, there's no perfect investing strategy. But I'd rather be diversified through infinite space and digital space than than through land and customers, uh, land-based customers.
1: Howard, pulling this back into Robinhood, uh, because I know a lot of our followers are on Robinhood, Uh, they trade it. I think at some point in the future, it's probably more likely than not that Robinhood will file eventually for an IPO, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's publicly on their radar. It's not not a big
2: secret. Yeah, they hired an Um, SEC chairman person. Yeah. So
1: if that happens a year from now, right, I mean, and, and Robinhood goes public at 10 or 12 billion or 13 or 14 billion, whatever that number is, um, do you think, like I think, that they could be a $50 billion company um, mm-hmm. within a reasonable amount? I mean, do you think that that's something that our, you know, followers should seriously consider? I, where's the cap on Robinhood? I mean, where what's Great the roadmap? Then,
2: as someone who sold some at a billion, so when I invested, it was $8 million valuation so so for eight you know, million I mean, eight, eight million eight million <laughs> valuation and eight we, billion we, i remember i remember calling tom and i go man so so what's great about the story is 2014 and i was on a mission right like i was just too big a wimp to to build a broker dealer like i had had a broker dealer i had almost killed myself financially running a broker dealer in 92,000. Okay, you are not supposed to operate a broker dealer unless you're edgy, cheesy or or super know the ins and outs of why you started a broker dealer for a specific reason. Right. A merchant bank, yada, yada, yada. Right. Otherwise, you stay away from that business because it's shark filled water and I'm the pilot fish anyway. So I didn't have the nerve. But what the Robin Hood guys did is they put they put that whole thing in a box. Right. They said, listen, we're just going to package it and run it as a the software but that's not our company yes we're going to follow all the rules and have this you know license in a box but we're going to build everything else around a distribution ui uh and that's why they're worth a billion now if you had told me when we invested at eight million i said it's a unicorn minute i invested tom tom about you said tom we're going to get some flack because the valuation's high like at the time the valuation was high eight million huh. you weren't doing, you know you didn't have eight million dollar deals uh you were doing deals at five five pre because uh, they didn't have a product, right? Like they had a they had a design, but it was not approved by the SEC or Finra. It was very early, but the design was spectacular. And I knew that you could, if you could trade from StockTwits or Twitter, that was still my holy grail. And I felt the only competition was Twitter. Because Twitter should, you know, should have a broker dealer so you can trade from the dollar sign. Anyways, the the at a billion, you know, I looked at my I called Fred Wilson and a bunch of our LPs and I said, what do you do at a billion? He goes, well, you sell enough to pay back uh, your fund, right? Like it's just that's just good business, right? Like a billion is a real number. And in hindsight, I should have been buying more, you know, so. So I don't know, like, you know, and then at five billion, we sold a little bit. So so 50 billion if they execute and and then i get if if the market if the world looks like it does today and continues to be a digital world yes aaron levy i ran into aaron levy who started box dot uh, com box.net and he's a small investor in the seed round as well and just randomly walked into him two years ago uh i remember a year and a half ago at, at in silicon valley and I said, hey, man, how about uh, Robin? He goes, yeah, this is a $50 billion company. I think maybe the stuff. I think maybe it was a $5 billion company at the time. And I'm like looking at him, I'm like, fuck you. Like, you don't even think about this stuff. Where did you pull that number out of your app? <laughs> and he just talked about all the possibilities of digital and how many customers around the world and no one understands software and no one understands the size of these things. So here we are, and I have to agree with you, Chris, as someone who I respect, is like once the cat's out of the bag and once you put this in the hands of a you know, hundred million people um and if they do the right acquisitions and if they build the right stack it's a 20 to 50 billion dollar consumer brand in the world that we live in today where peloton's worth you know 15 billion yes uh you know 600 employees you know they're probably doing six based on the numbers i heard six seven hundred million a year in revenue i mean you're kidding me these companies are like just digital machines at, uh, at, at creating customer satisfaction and joy. And, you know, but it is a risky, it's a risky build.
0: Yeah, But like you say, so what, seven how- years ago, people were just laughing them off and not taking them seriously. And, in the, and the finance world didn't even put them on the radar. And now every single brokerage is now also free and also doing fractional shares. And, and that just to compete, they've had to change their business model to become more like Robinhood, which I think is just... Remarkable, fascinating, and glad that that we're all a part of it.
2: My bet, too, was that, and we got a little lucky here, because I was like, I'm an investor in eToro, so I knew what was coming because I had traveled the world, and I had invested in Robinhood before Robinhood existed in a company called eToro. So it's probably better than my Robinhood investment, but because they're not really in the United States, they don't get any fanfare, which was eToro, which is in 140 countries doing crypto, Forex, trading, Copy trading, which is you know just an incredibly uh, complicated company, uh, but doing six seven hundred million a year in sales, and it's a company you've never heard of with five hundred employees. You know because they're in Russia, the Middle East, London, Germany, doing the same thing that Robinhood's doing. Plus, they have a copy trading uh, product. So I'm just as proud of, or if not more proud of, Rob, of Etoro because I made that investment in 2010.
0: Um, I, I get think their the, ads all the time with uh, Alec Baldwin. I guess it's just they're targeting me well. <laughs> that
2: Alec Baldwin out. That was very bold. That was very funny. <laughs> and I argue with those guys all the time. I'm like, "You guys are letting Robin Hood win the country that matters the most." So in 2015, I would send them, you know, the Robin Hood designs and I go, "Guys, you know, Robinhood just—you're never going to be able to break into the United States if you wait any longer. So I've had many of those arguments with the Etoro guys, saying, "Hey, why why succeed America just to Robinhood?" And now it's probably too late for even Etoro to come to the United States. So, so I think Robinhood got lucky in the sense that the way ETrade works, they got sixty product managers, and none of those product managers who are making two fifty a year want to admit that Robinhood. So that's what happens in incumbents, right? It's not that the CEO didn't see this coming. It's probably these product managers talking to their bosses saying, no, Robinhood's not going to work for this and this reasons because they're protecting their job as a product manager working on charts inside of e And that is the big problems that incumbents have is not so much the CEO. It's all these layers that they put in it, people protecting their you know, $150,000 jobs, no different than... In, you know, when we watch uh, Mad Men and ad people protect them. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that CEO. was all working to Robin Hood's advantage is that they just milked away all those layers and TD Ameritrade and Schwab. They just couldn't act because the whole company didn't want to act. It wasn't just the CEO.
1: So hopefully someday Robin Hood uh, account holders will get to invest in Robin. And I hope it's sooner rather than later. But right now they can invest in Peloton. I do want to spend a minute talking to you about Peloton. I know we talked about it already on this episode, but I recently, I don't know, Howard, if you followed us through the Peloton story back in March and April and through earnings, but I I went literally, I spent 60 hours over the course of eight or nine days going so deep in on Peloton where I I claimed at the end of it, I had read every uh, piece of content uh, globally uh, from every social web board, to their, their Facebook page, to Reddit, to articles that had ever been printed on the Peloton bike or had any discussion that was taking place anywhere in the world about Peloton. And I, I, I really, at, during that window of time, I, I felt like I just I saw what the future could be. And I honestly feel, and I know this sounds insane, that Peloton could be a $100 billion company. Absolutely. Um, I Absolutely. believe they could. And I don't think a lot of people on Wall Street really Good. take the time to understand good. right what what it could be do you what, what are your thoughts on that i mean
2: so it took me forever to get you know so this is a good lesson because i'm a i'm a venture capitalist and i say those terms loosely because it's a joke the fact that i'm a it's like the rodney dangerfield the fact that i first of all when i say those words it just feels like you should sell everything the fact that i can <laughs> be looked up to as a venture capitalist but there are some smart people in this industry is what you learn right it's easy to make fun of venture capitalists because it's they wear, because they say stupid things or they wear, you know, uh, Dockers or, or whatever it is. But, um, and they have huge heads and they're weird, right? They're, they they, they see the world differently, right? It's no different than a comedian. So um, I laughed at Peloton the whole way. Cause you know, we grew up with Nautilus and all these fucking <laughs> commercials and like all these things that you buy and just throw them away. Right. Nordic track. These all went bankrupt. They all went Bankrupt, and then you have like this mantra of hardware is stupid. It's a bit, you know, it's all about software, software, software. So kudos to True Ventures. The you know John Callahan is a legendary investor. They had done uh, the watch company that just got bought by Google. You know some you know foundry. There's certain companies that are venture capitalists that are good at hardware, right? They see the future. So so Peloton was one of those things that I would have been short in the old Howard would have been short at IPO. Like eight four billion at, for this thing, like eventually, you know what I mean? And what what they did right, and I don't think this was initially their plan was they became a software company, right? Overnight, they became a software company, meaning uh, they flipped the switch to free where they gave the product away for free. And I just kept hearing the social like you, the social, all my rich friends, which also kept me out of the stock, all my wealthy friends were like, you gotta have a Peloton. I'm like, well, you're such a small slice of life. You're such a small slice of life. And it still didn't register and the stock went to like 30. And then, you know, went to 17 during the crash and I was like, oh, you know, cause professor Galloway had recommended it like a week before at 27 I was like, oh, that guy sucks. And you know, everybody, you know, and everybody had that moment in March where it didn't. And then it came back very quickly. And then I had Jeff Richards on my show and a couple of the other early investors who were still long and they just said, Howard, you just don't get it. And they explained to me how the software worked and explained to me about attention. And, and then it just started slowly getting it. I slowly, every person I brought on my show in March was like, you gotta be long Peloton, but it was such a narrow slice. And then I had this zoom call with a VC, a woman in in London And, of course, she had a Peloton in the back. Everybody's working from home. And she had a Peloton in the background. I go, motherfucker, they made it overseas. She goes, yeah, my 64-year-old mother bought this thing and uses it every day. And that's when I just literally on the Zoom call in March, I bought the stock. And I said, man, it's Hop the Sea, and it's not the VC. It's the mom of the VC in England because they don't even have dentists there. And she's worried about her. (laughs) Did did you read (laughs) the the Citron? Her Peloton came before dental work. I'm long that stuff. Do you do you own a Peloton? The Citron? I still haven't gone because it says five weeks. Now I oh, ride yeah. every day down. Like I ride, I love riding a regular bike because that's like yep. my meditation. But I will get a Peloton because yep. I am now part of the brand, and I will wear Peloton clothing eventually. I wear Rafa, which is kind of like you know men's riding Lulu brand. Um, and we could talk about all the, like, I'm so bullish on certain verticals that it's and fitness, you know, so your story is, listen, they have an hour of, of a slice of people's attention a day. So right away, that's one twenty-fourth of what Netflix is. So just out of the box w- without having to make content. So to me, it's like forgetting everything else that they do, whatever Netflix valuation is one twenty-fourth of that becomes Peloton. And I was right? late that- on Peloton too. I, it wasn't until way, Chris Did all of his research? even a business. Yeah. Right. So that could be attention of an hour. So what could it be? It's easily a hundred billion dollar company. Yeah. And I was going to say yeah. what I
1: love is the arbitrage opportunity with Peloton because when you get that deep, Howard, what you realize is that a third to half of the world in the investment world. Um, they don't understand it. They don't get it. They rip on it. If you read that Citron short analysis report, the $5 Citron call, you know, call no, on the stock.
2: Whatever. The, guy, I mean, the guy fucking had a short on Shopify at 100 Yeah, Exactly. Okay. First of all, anybody can go, you want me to come on YouTube and promote fucking short ideas? I, first of all, I couldn't live with myself. Guys guy should be ashamed of himself. You living off one call. Okay. Not that it doesn't scare me when a guy goes short of the stock, but that guy clearly does not understand a digital world. So he should go fuck himself. I don't care how many land-based accounting frauds you got. You know what I mean? This guy is doing more damage than Robin Hood could ever do. He's killing yeah, people. He's literally killing people. How do you how do you cover that 120 short Shopify's at 900? I, you, you are an idiot to me go on and recommend short stocks. One thing I get it. I get it in a world of accounting of valiance. I get it in farmers. I get it where you have to ship product and your customers. You can't, you talk to every Peloton customer, just like every Tesla customer, just like every Apple iPhone customer, they love their fucking product. So all the work you have to do is talking to the customers. Okay. If I talked to 70 Peloton customers and they said it sucked, there's my research. It wouldn't matter to me to get into the accounting, but these people just get it wrong, and they get it wrong so badly that I don't want to listen to them.
0: And that's where and we probably. say that that the you know the the real people have the edge sometimes because the analysts are in their own world. They're living you know yeah. they're living a completely different life. There's many smart
2: people that I love, I won't name names on Twitter, that have got zero. I have zero respect for because they've they just continue with the Tesla accounting story. And they're short the stock and talking people out of buying the stock. Okay? you Your job is not to warn people of the end is near. Okay? That, this is what I tell people on StockTwits. You got an opinion, share it. But you're not here to save people. You're here to share your ideas. You know, this is a constant thing on StockTwits. Hey, man, I know that you think the world is ending. Okay? But your job here is not to warn everybody. You're not Paul Revere. You're here to journal and share ideas. Okay? So just yeah. get over yourself
1: and you can speak to 50,000 Peloton customers on the Peloton Facebook community page alone and that's what's so amazing about social yeah. arb and it blows my mind how little time Wall Street spends uh, making just going deep into those channels that exist for everybody for free you don't need to pay for that it's not Wall Street research you don't have to yeah. like hire someone to call channel checks it's literally all right in front of you if you just want to spend the time to look at it
3: yeah. Well, well I think mean, the friends, interesting thing I about mean, Peloton was... specifically was just that um, it's not just that people raved about the product and that they loved using it, but then they were trying to recruit other people to get on so that they could ride with their friends and all these things, right? And so it has yeah. this, you know, it has this, you yeah. know, kind of knock-on effect. Um,
2: cult. Yeah. Cult. I, I, I think all these people, anybody watching us or anybody who wants to do Social Arb, because I I didn't, I, I call Social Leverage, you call it Social Arb, and the name of my firm is Social Leverage. Um. But the social arb is just the only data you need because again, I don't think people should trade. I think people should invest. I think if, it tr- if an investment becomes a trade, like Robinhood became a trade uh, for some of our money because it went from eight million to a billion. Like you have to have some rules, okay? And and Spotify went from one sixty to two sixty, so I peeled some back not because like I don't know if it's undervalued or overvalued because it feels like when you make a hundred points in three weeks that you pr- you pay the gods something. But there is so much social signal if you know how to read it and i'm just lucky that i got involved early when i saw youtube and i saw the cat videos and i was a hedge fund guy a miserable hedge fund guy trading in a room with five screens not beating the s&p consistently and pulling my hair out um consistently and and being in a bad mood and feeling bad about myself because you're competing against the s&p that whole mindset was wrong Right. Because the S&P is a good formulaic momentum system. Right. And it has enough momentum and money behind it. It's very hard to beat. But when I saw YouTube, I knew there was going to be a social edge. When you give the, the microphone to a million people on the street and you can figure out how to read it, you have an edge that nobody else has. So when we started Wall Wallstrip, my first show on, which was kind of the original, you know, social show, which was, you know, when I got long Crocs in 2006, it wasn't because I thought they were, I was using the Crocs, but I on YouTube, you could just see thousands of videos of people talking about their Crocs shoes. And it was a phenomenon. And I got long Crocs and that's what our show was based on, like social phenomenons. And Wall Street became a hit, not because it was such a popular show, but it was such a good idea to read what was happening on YouTube. And it's still a lot of signal on YouTube, right? Just your show. Um, so, just just living with these products is your edge using tiktok is your edge using snapchat is your edge using youtube is your edge and people just don't know how to think in the right way when i read tipping point when i read malcolm i don't want to have coffee with that guy i think he's probably a idiot but <laughs> but the guy can write and the way he thought and when i read tipping point and i read the story about soho and the hush puppies and i'm like that book If he had just put a stock title on how to make money off tipping points, like he called the Boeing, you know, and I, my first book was based on his book because it was like, (laughs) if you apply stock picking to tipping points, you are going to make a fortune. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so when I read his book, it was like, wow, if you stand in Soho every day of the year, you're going to see so much signal uh from the center of the shopping universe and so why is soho my favorite place to go in new york because that is where you see signal that is where you see pop-up stores that is where you see uh new retail brands and that's where you see international customers spending their weekends and you can see what they're carrying um that's where new trends are started and online they're started by using tiktok and they're by using snapchat
1: Okay, now you say, tip, speaking of tipping point, and you mentioned Spotify. I want to ask you because I was late to the Spotify game, but I am now in Spotify. I'm long Spotify. Um, I believe maybe we're at some tipping point for what will be the future of podcasting and the bold <laughs> moves that Spotify is making right now. I think are fascinating, but I am not as edgy. I'm not a Spotify user. I'm not as educated as you. Tell us your angle on Spotify. I'd just love to hear it. Um so I want to make sure I think, I'm not making a mistake.
2: Yeah, so I think I think first of all is the hard one because they did everything that I would do. They do they, they have laid the groundwork for hundreds of consumer brands. So first of all, I'll go close my door. Hang on one sec. The uh, I think I think Spotify is not so much about getting Spotify right, because there's going to be 100 Spotify's, right? And and by that I mean, you know, if I'm Robin Hood and I'm not, and I have no inside information and they don't talk to me about this, uh, and I refuse to even in- to interject myself, I'll let Tom deal with Robin Hood, and my partner, is um, Spotify's direct lifting was fucking genius. And it was a fucking. Great thing that they did. They fucked the banks. They didn't need money. They believed in their company. They picked a price out of thin air. So it wasn't something, you know, I bought it originally because I was just so loyal to the brand. And it was two years of like, you know, but, you know, the stock didn't do anything. And the knock on the company was a legitimate knock. The fucking music companies control that industry. Margins suck. Like, there's no real reason for that stock to go up. And so for years, it was like, oh, they should do podcasts. But listen, I've made podcast investments in 2006 and 2007. I know what zeros look like. I don't just know what investments <laughs> look like from blog talk radio to all these podcasting apps. Twitter was a podcasting app that pivoted. Let's be honest. A lot of this stuff is about getting the timing right. Uh, you know, if you don't get the timing right, it doesn't matter how much money you raise, although that can help. If you have good CEOs that can manage a runway and a cap table, but you got to get the timing right. And podcasting has just been a fucking wasteland of venture capital money, wasteland. And but the the reason podcasts exist today is the same reason people thought it would be popular in two thousand five: talk radio, right? And 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 fra- and and verticalization of the world, and hundred true fans, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And just so happens that when they bought bill uh, the sports guy uh, bill simmons who i'm not a fan of, i just don't listen to sports talk radio or bar still and the stock didn't really do anything right like there was no signal yet that the world was in harmony with spod with because you watch the stock price and then gave all the news they bought bill simmons the stock kind of sat near all-time highs and then dribbled down on part of it was related to the market again because Bill Simmons does not make you the podcast king. It just shows that they're in an interest, and they bought Anchor, they bought a couple bad companies in my opinion, yada yada, and still the stock didn't do anything. So there's still no real signal, because when YouTube was bought by Google, and we did a Wall Street Man on the Street the next day, the the street was like, this is the dumbest acquisition of all time. There was so much signal on the street that this, but the stock price just YouTube uh, Google's price dropped and then shot to an all time high. And that meant to me, the, the world was voting that YouTube, whether this man on the street agrees, this was a genius acquisition, the market had voted. And so I was waiting for that signal from podcasting world. So you didn't get that on Bill Simmons, but then, and the stock went down with every other stock in April in March, and then it started climbing all time highs and it, and it, and it, and it got to that 160 point, and I was already having a good month. And I said, you know what? I love Spotify. It's the number one app I use two hours a day, three hours a day. Uh, My son, you know, he uses all the apps, but I'm like, there's something going on with this stock, and it could be market related. So I bought the stock then the Joe Rogan news came out. So I was a little lucky there, but the stock could have acted negatively on that Rogan news. The stock just kept going, you know, and by the second or third day, I was just piling into that position, meaning. There's more going on here than we can understand. And it's not so much about the financials, because it's never been about financials when the stocks really take off. It's just about something that people, it's hit a different inflection point. And so, and then they announced the, the Whatchamacall deal with what's her name, Kim Kardashian. And I don't even think these are real deals. Like, I'm not a Joe Rogan fan. I'm a fan of like O'Shaughnessy and you and whatever I want. But what Shop- what Spotify does like Shopify when I search Howard Lindzen, you can find my goddamn podcast and it's just easy. When someone asks me, do you have a podcast? I'm not like, well, you didn't know it. I'd say, Hey, you can search my name on Spotify and you can see all my podcasts. That is all it needed to do. It's like a place where enough people have it. Now imagine how I started a podcast three months ago. I have maybe 5,000 listeners. I'm not doing it for the listeners. Imagine if they ever do their algorithm and put me in a Monday podcast loop to that audience i could end up with a hundred thousand listeners my doppelgangers around the world so if you're not creating content and putting it on spotify you are like so far behind so if you want to start start a podcast tomorrow i'd say fucking do it put your shows that you do here On Spotify. We actually do that. So, this show, after. I'm telling you. (laughs) Within 20
0: minutes of us saying goodbye today, this thing will be an audio (laughs) podcast on Spotify and Google and apple and on the all of them edge that you guys
2: have is that there's three of you i'm howard linton my tom and gary don't want to get involved in my nonsense content like <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't invest in social leverage if it was just howard lindsay because you'd say wait a minute i gave this guy money he's wearing a ribby era hat and he's just doing podcasts all day how the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> i got a letter out of these kids well, so i mean you know You guys, your business is based around a different thing. The fact that there's three of you, like I told you before the show, I'm in with you guys. Like the fact that I can just show up and help drive traffic to a really smart show. Like this is the future because you got he's a whiz live editing this. We've got the leopard chair, and we've got the uh, Fu Manchu
0: <laughs> mustache. We've got I mean, what else do you need? This this is YouTube it gold. Maybe less. It <laughs> be Let's be talk a little less. bit more about the things that you, that Robinhood investors are investing in, because they're you know they're the uneducated, uninformed Main Street investors. They're they're what would essentially be called dumb money, which we don't take any offense to, obviously, but. Yeah. They're the ones who are investing in things like Hertz after they filed for bankruptcy and in all of the airlines and cruise ships and automakers, Tesla and Ford and, you know, all the FANG stocks. What can what can we learn from them and what what should we avoid from that?
2: Great question. It just it breaks my heart. Show, but I'm not going to say Robinhood's a bad product. I'll go back to the SEC and triple leverage ETS. If they're not going to do it in Hertz, they're going to blow their brains out. I think. One of the best reads I've had on this, and I'll come back. Hopefully, Chris, I answered your Spotify question.
1: Yes, you did. But Thank
2: you. Now I'm really bullish, just based on they're the leader and they've gotten they've gotten feedback from the markets that the more smart people they buy in podcasting, that they're going to have margins there. That's what the markets. They're they're each feeding off each other. The management saw the results of this strategy and is going to be emboldened by it. Right. Um, so you buy the dips on Spotify and I think Spotify can be a hundred billion dollar rare asset brand. So going back to the Hertz site, it breaks my heart. I'm sure it does with YouTube that people use these products in a dumb way. Okay. As much as I like Davey Barstool for, <clears throat> for, for breaking up, you know, for just shitting all over the, the old guard, <clears throat> I, I worry that already, you know, him, him talking about 30 cent stocks, good or bad, it's just not responsible, right? This is not something yeah. that I would do, and I'm not judging, but I think it's the worst use of his a platform to uh, talk about a 30 cent stock. You know, it's funny, uh, I get it, but that's what we need to be talking about is he has, he has the the microphone and he should be not moving stocks. I know it's cool to move stocks, but it's, it's, it's not the... Uh, it's not what i would do the hertz thing is just a phenomenon of the time i think um this guy um he works for shopify now alex danko he has a, a newsletter every sunday he worked at social capital and he basically said in this reddit generation these kids are just it, it's a YOLO, it's like a it's like a dare bet. It's no different than jackass, where they go, I'm gonna risk five grand and see if I can get out before you. It could be blue or green. They just happened to pick herpes uh, because it was in the news. And I think you just have that weird, terrible jackass game of chicken going on with people's money. I think it's irresponsible. I think they're smarter to think that these kids could do. And our job is to show them better ideas because they're eventually gonna lose their ass. And so like this goes back to my eight to 80 list. If you can't make a living off the best companies in the world by either owning them or invest or, or buying fear, uh, you're just not going to last in the business. And so so Hurt shouldn't be on anybody's screen other than, man, I, I, I don't know how it stayed stay alive that long. The only question I have about Hurt, uh-huh. why the hell was that still a company?
0: Yeah. Well, in my first, the first quote I looked up this morning was Chesapeake Energy, just because I, is it going to happen again? It's a negative $7 billion company. And are they going to buy it up? But luckily they didn't, it looks like. Yeah. yeah, I'm saying these
2: kids are not as dumb. They want to be dumb. Listen, they can go buy Walmart and buy a gun in two weeks and get ammunition up the yin yang. You know, like, again, I'm not happy about these things. Uh, they are adults. I'd kill my son if he thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, and I think if they're going to burn a grand, let them burn a grand. We well, look, I,
3: I think I think it's just a bad, um, irresponsible message to be sending people when the goal should be education and getting people interested in investing um, throughout their entire career.
2: Um, yeah. you know, even if it's not going
3: to be their career, it should be some part of their life,
2: right? Uh, if they want to retire, it's the greatest gift that America has is the stock market, right. because it's 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 another form of English. It's, you know, you only have to have English as your first language. We all speak English. You don't have to understand balance sheets or fundamentals. You have to understand uh, usage. You have to understand trends. You have to build a network yourself. And and to not take advantage of that, and I think Vanguard was the first great product for to, to disrupt Wall Street. The next great product is the... The unbundling of vanguard, and we are just at the tipping point of that. Meaning, I wish I was ten years younger, knowing all the people like you that I know that took me so long because I was a value line, read everything, uh, but I was reading stuff that was so old by the time I read it. Now I'm the one that people are following. So in the peloton, right? I've built a peloton on 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 a network uh, that uh, is so far ahead of everybody else that I don't even have to do anything fancy. You know, and that's the pinch me stuff, where I get worried, where I'm like, fuck, people are following me, so I gotta be more careful. So I think I've I've taken the responsibility to try and be more careful. You won't hear me talking about penny stocks. I will pump my companies that that are private, but I can't hurt anybody there. I love the products that I'm backing, and I've learned from the best, Fred Wilson, Brad Feld, they cheerlead their companies, and I'm not breaking any rules. And I'm wrong a lot because companies don't work. They're private companies. Um, But I'm I'm, I'm dealing with accredited investors. You won't
0: hear me talk about stocks under $10 um, because I just don't want the headache. And we all, all all the time say that we're not we're not trying to tell you what to invest in or how to invest, but just more of how to think about investing, how to how to source your own ideas and try to try to, you know, vet your own investment thesis. And we give examples of things that we're investing in, but we're not, we're not financial advisors. We're not, you know, experts. We just do this because we've had some success in it and we enjoy trying to help educate people. And I think one of our uh, commenters mentioned that uh, the Davy Day Trader phenomenon started with Wall Street bets on Reddit. So, which is completely true. You
2: know, I guess I'm lucky. It's just like Zero Hedge. Zero Hedge made no sense to me because why would I want to be wrong all the time? (laughs) What? <laughs> yeah, do you want to be okay. a perma bear? Forgetting <laughs> his politics. He should have been kicked off Twitter for just being wrong forever. Okay? <laughs> but the point is, how do you – and this is, a, this is a good point. This is when I started Wall Street. It's the Oprah versus um, Montel Williams. And Montel Williams made a hell of a living just doing stupid stuff. But you get really rich by being positive and being Oprah and the possibility and opening your arms and being open to possibilities. And that's the way I feel – it, I luckily I wake up on that side of the bed every day. So I just continue to just believe that there's more opportunity in giving out good information. So what I do, like you guys do, is I tell people what I'm doing. I'm not telling people what to do. People go, why'd you do that? I go, I don't like, that's not my job. I don't, you know, you're, I'm open to you telling me why I'm dumb, but don't ask, you know, I'm just telling you what I did and you don't have to follow it. And I'm not pounding the table like, bye. I'm looking for reasons to talk me out of Spotify and I'm looking for reasons to talk me out of Peloton and I'll listen. Uh, but I'm not telling you to buy Peloton. I'm just telling you why I like it and that I actually own it. And I'll tell you when I sell it. And, you know, and there's better times to buy it than there aren't. And just because you heard us today doesn't mean you should run out and buy Peloton because that's not what we're all saying. We're saying we believe this is a hundred billion dollar idea. Would it be better to buy it at five billion on the way there? Yeah. But, you know, as long as the story hasn't changed, let's hope it drops 50 percent because that's just an opportunity.
1: Hey, Howard, uh, one of our one of our followers has a question for you. And I think it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but he said, what about um, what do you think about active ETFs like ARKA, which invest in innovation? Is there some is there enough value there to potentially? invest in an etf or
2: yeah if you think she's i keep getting hit up with that one too like if you think that person's a special stock picker it just looks to me that she got her weightings right and that's like a vc run stock picking fund so i you know i can respect that but i know nothing about her and i don't want to i don't want to trade i don't want to be a vc public market investor i will act like a vc in march where i bought some of these broken fintech uh, companies in in Latin America stone and pags and mercado libra i mean to me it was like okay they're broken the charts look terrible but wait a minute if fintech's going to be a thing these are the three public companies and so so there's points where i'll look at the market and go oh, i'm going to act like a venture capitalist and that's when the vix is at 90 the rest of the time i don't want someone trading a momentum portfolio for me so, I think it's lazy thinking. I think she's done a great job, whoever's running ARCA with her like, innovative way of she sharing ideas and her end of day trades, but that's just noise. Um, so, I feel like an average investor could take two of the five FANG stocks or three of the five FANG stocks, the ones that they really feel are the ones that are going to win. For me, it's Amazon and Apple, and that's I'm overweighted. And then I pick 10, 10 to 20 of the up and comers, the ones that could be FANGs. And that's my, that's how I invest. And then for me, it's just a weighting of, you know, how much risk I want to take. And right now I'm at 50% long and it's working out great because the the, alpha has been so high. I mean, the beta has been so high, you know, the market goes up uh, 1%. I still match it, even though I'm 50% long. So I, I for the moment, I'm in sync with the market. It won't last uh because this can't last i can't the same yeah. stocks can't go up every day so i know i'm going to get hit over the head and i'm constantly looking for new ideas and you brought up the gap today it doesn't appeal to me but i get the story so i'm constantly looking to just fine tune and do some gardening on my portfolio which is another thing we got you got to constantly be you know fiddling around the edges otherwise your oh, yeah. ideas are stale. on that on
3: that so like you um uh, you I think you're long Snap right now too. How long yeah. have you been? Is that a newer addition to the portfolio? Very
2: new. I I I, I technically was what got me interested around twenty, even though it had gone up like four hundred percent from the lows, and I just started hearing its name more. Um, you know, my kids stopped, You know, they never talk about it. So I, I remember asking my kids about it at five, six guys. We should be. You're living on Snap. Why can't and they? Would never. Unlike other companies where my kids own stocks they were never like dad yeah you should buy snap so my kids screwed me here because they never like <laughs> said, dad they all deny they use it and i don't know if it's that's their secret defense to keep old people off of it <laughs> uh, it could be it could just be like fuck the parent like they've wrecked facebook they've wrecked instagram and we're not going to let them wreck snapchat i mean that's my thesis.
0: yeah it. You don't think, or you? No, do No, I, I do think that's it. I think yeah, I, I think, think that they it. need to keep I this their secret little network that that the parents it's don't know secret. about, and uh, you know they, they're not thinking, oh, it, it has ads yeah. on it, so let me tell my dad. No, it's yep. like, let me let me keep this my own thing. Let's talk about another.
3: Well, I, I think a
0: thing, all three of us tried to figure out Snapchat at some point
3: in time, and like none, it's not. The but virtual, i think that's the
2: secret sauce so i think the upside here is why i'm long i, I started buying it at 20. I, I probably 19 and i pre again like spotify i pre-bought it ahead of the breakout because my you know, first of all it was a good market a month ago second of all the momentum was behind it and then i kept i heard one of my companies rally Roll, was going to be part of their ar presentation in their new month of thing i'm like really and i go that's cool and when i found out what that uh, event was which was going to be about them opening their for mini apps which is a 10 cent model uh, that also interests because no us company has tried that right twitter's closed facebook's closed uh, but 10 cents an investor in snap so all of a sudden you could build and i've told this to alpaca uh, um, is like you should launch a mini financial brokerage app inside of snapchat and so if Snapchat gets this right, that'll be like a WeChat. And if they... And, and so the other thing working in Snapchat's favor is everybody who thought that kids would leave, my daughter graduated from college and she still uses Snapchat every day. So I think this next generation is going to keep their 1-200 friends that they have on Snapchat. And it's not a social network, it's a communication product with AR and fun videos. So I have a feeling they're at the early stages of their growth. And it's not necessarily anything they did right, it's just a matter of this network that grew up with it from 15 to 20 is starting to keep with it. Whereas, you know, in the first few years, it was like, okay, I graduated, not enough people are using it, so I'll never use it. But I think this generation that's coming through college all kept using it, and they're going to stay on it. And I think that is a huge win. And there's no Trump stuff on there, and it's it's more like just goofball AR, and I think that's a win in a, in a, in a social media world. They're not really a social media company.
0: Yeah, but it's it's kind of like a TikTok where it's it's there yeah. for fun and not for for political. Let's but talk TikTok's a little about TikTok. Already
2: is getting TikTok already is getting all the politicians on it and and yep. uh, you know, yeah yeah. Like John, John Oliver did a thing where the Papa John's guy is doing TikToks and, and the kids don't like that. Kids do not like that.
0: No, although Will Smith's TikToks are actually amazingly produced. I I do like watching his. I I probably do spend too much time on TikTok for my age. But let's talk well, about you're
2: living in the future. I would argue that you, this is going to give you guys an edge in some of your future investments. So I don't. I, I think you're doing it because, first of all, it's a good product. Second of all, you uh, you're an inquisitive mind. And thirdly, it's part of your edge. Is You're not using it because it's a bad product. Uh, you're using it because it's a fun product, and it's kind of like a modern MTV. So I don't think there's anything wrong with using it. I just haven't figured out a workflow that allows me to use it other than watching my kids over their shoulder, using it and giggling and having great joy at it. And, you know, I, like investing for profit and joy, I think all these tools should be for joy. Pelotons yes. are joyous. Joy. The other thing about Peloton's is a social network of joy. People are sweating. They're competing around good things. They're, um, you can't put a value on these things in a world that uh, is kind of kablooey right now. Yeah, True.
0: True. So I keep okay. trying to think of a way for Chris and, Chris to be on TikTok, but he talks too much. He he wouldn't be able to get his thought out in fifteen seconds. Chris should have a
2: podcast. (laughs) Chris and Chris, and uh, with this Chris, 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 Chris Camillo, that would be the name of the
0: podcast, and uh, or the stash, the the stash. Now (laughs) that's that's going away very soon. I'm I'm sure. I
2: I think. I've tried to make a TikTok. It's too complicated for me. I, I, I like the tweet. I like sending out a message, yelling in a crowded room, seeing the response. Uh, it's a perfect platform for me. And, you know, I love blogging, but, you know, I, I'm starting to like podcasting, but there's only so much you can do. I mean, it's hard to be, that is a really beautiful, a well done TikTok is a beautiful piece of art, you know? And that's and why so I don't
0: I don't want to ruin TikTok by trying to be on it myself. Yeah. Can talk about Facebook though, because the advertiser boycott is in the headlines. <clears throat> is that going to help Snap? Is that going to have long term damage to Facebook? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, Facebook
2: is like cigarettes. So long term, it is a damaging product, right? Because their terms of use have put them in this in the eyes of death, right? Once you've made that moment once you've chosen sides and that's like tobacco companies, you know, finding scientists to say that smoking doesn't cause cancer, right? Like they've chosen it's, I don't even blame anybody, you know, it's just what it is. Um, and they've also can't innovate. They've had to buy their way out of jams. So I think that they've, they've declared their strategy, right. And they are the King. Meaning if, if Twitter is going to buy a company, the next call is to Facebook and say, hey, we got an offer from Twitter. This is why Twitter's fucked. They would have to buy something that no one else saw, and it would have to be a home run, right? And, and Twitter doesn't have the the soul to pull that off. Jack is very busy with Square. So Facebook has the kingmaker potential. Any good acquisition offer gets shown to Facebook, and he gets to say yes, no, thumbs up, thumbs down before that acquisition gets done. So it's going to be very hard in, a, in this type of world where their stock is worth so much to beat Facebook, uh, the ad thing is a is nonsense. Starbucks can't afford not to be on Facebook for any length of time. Um, you know, it's just the way the world works right now. Uh, if I'm Facebook, I'm saying I hate Mark Zuckerberg. We're here because we have to be here, and let the government figure out what better. But right now, they have a monopoly. I think there's smarter ways for Starbucks to to complain. Um, you know, but. I think they'll be back. I think Facebook's a buy on dips. You know, it's one of my eight to 80 companies. Um, it's underperformed because it's an ad based business. I don't think they're going to stay an ad based business. They, they should have bought Shopify. Um, yes. They should have bought Robin Hood. Um, yes. they've, they've missed some acquisitions, but those weren't, they didn't, they didn't look at Shopify because Shopify never came to them probably with an offer from another company. Right. So they just felt like, all right, if Shopify makes it, we'll, we'll do a deal with them, which they did. Um, Robinhood, they never thought about being in finance, so they, they didn't make the move to finance until Libra. I think they could have bought Robinhood and, and that would have been a home run for Facebook. You know, you throw Facebook social network on Robinhood, you know, Facebook would have probably be worth 50 billion dollars more. So I think they're making some mistakes and that's why it's underperforming um, because they're a conglomerate. Um, so I don't, it's my least favorite eight to 80. I'm always looking to replace it, but their international power is just so high and their optionality to get into verticals is so high. Does that help?
1: Agreed. Oh, yeah. totally agree, man. Uh, this has been really, really awesome. Uh, you know, I have uh, our next show, just so you know, Howard, and we've been working on it for a week. It's on Thursday. It's all about uh, the next Tesla, and the future of electrification. Uh, and the next Tesla might be Tesla, right? Uh, yeah. And You've probably been following it. There's been so much happening the last two weeks with new IP. I mean, I I didn't realize how many companies were involved in electrifying different segments of the automotive market, right, in the truck market mm-hmm. until the last two or three weeks. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it's just, it's. I thought it'd be a quick exercise to prepare for this episode.
2: No, and it's, it's just become and like... The canopy, because of the market cap of Tesla, it's opened the canopy up for everything else. Like people are like, oh, bigger than four. That's not the real issue. The issue is now mines have been expanded and industries have been exploded from batteries to distribution to logistics to. uh, It's just it's an industry. Unfortunately, it's it's not an interest of mine. Right, I'm not a car guy. I'm not like I'm a Uber person. I'm not. I'm a biker. I'm like a village person, not a city person. So. Um, I miss the whole thing other than buying some in March and flipping it in April. um, I really am mad at myself because, you know, it's a great product. In the end, Tesla is a great product. People love it. Not me, but you don't hear people complaining about their Teslas.
1: Well, we're, we're forcing ourselves to go deep into that world this week. But this episode, I mean, guys, Jordan, Dave, I mean, this is we don't do this, Howard. And I'm so happy that. Our first kind of you know we had graham stefan on the channel once uh but other than that we've never had a guest this has been really cool if you're watching today let us know what you thought about us bringing someone else that we admire that we respect into the dumb money world for a special episode like this and if we should consider doing things like this more in the future howard i was just gonna say thank you dave jordan i don't know if you have anything else left for howard today but, um, you know, it's about that time. I'm getting hungry. Yeah, I see. <laughs>
2: now, I see. We're back to, uh, to life on the island. <laughs> I feel bad. I invited myself, so I appreciate you. I didn't really <laughs> is Oktoberfest ever going to happen again? Or, or when is yeah, the next Oktoberfest? I think there's enough good products that we can do an online version. Yeah, that would be I think, cool. You know, where people can do. I think what you guys have, like I said, this self-directed, you know, way to to talk to friends you know so i kind of didn't know your format enough so i just kind of said i love the show can i be on it so i kind of invited myself on the show so i apologize but yeah um,
0: well this has been amazing we're glad just to have experience. you back anytime you're bored on a on a monday or thursday just just drop in you you now have our uh, our dial-in so just pop in anytime and then
2: we'll we'll figure out a way to get this sitting on the top of the streams like you know when we want to go live and talk smart you know long-term thinking to help because in the end i think really just digging into ideas you know beyond technicals and beyond just the basic fundamentals is how you make money you know talking to smart people that aren't all looking at the same data points is how you make money and i think that's why you guys are successful right like it's you know, and this—who would have thought that we'd still be locked up in our houses, having to do this? You know, yeah. it's, it, it's kind of a tragedy, but it's also been for my family been a break. You know, so I'm just part of the lucky crew.
1: Well, it, it's a change. It's a big change, and as we know, everything we talk about is what change comes opportunity and dumb money. We're all about just identifying the change a tiny bit early. And connecting that change to investable opportunities, whether in the public market or once we get spinning back up again with our primary dumb money channel, the private market and startups. uh, That's a great idea. What you
2: guys are doing there is just it's just, you know, encouraging people to take risk and bet on themselves and the joy of like helping somebody else do this. And we're seeing this with Black Lives Matter, too. It's like shame on us for like the only way to fix this through the private markets and to back Black founders and to black, you know, higher you know, the math just makes sense. We're not doing the math right, right? We like the math shows that the success is out there. You just gotta constantly apply pressure and and back people. Um and so, you know, the street level stuff that you guys do is actually great. Uh, the difference is the markets open, you know, five days a week, there's so much to do in the markets as well. And then the two markets are so connected, right? Like they are, you're digging into the car industry and you're going to have to learn about the private markets too.
0: I think whenever we're back out of our houses, I think we're we're going to probably continue to do the stock show because we enjoy it so much. And I think
2: you're on to something. I mean, I, I know it's a lot of work, but I'm happy to kind of dig in here and figure out some ways for you to do it. I think I've seen enough YouTube, stock shows to realize they're just too technical and they're just i get them they make sense but to, to really help people make money in podcasts is lean back in the old way and really help your friends think through bad ideas and how to manage their gains and their losses so i think you're on to something big uh you know it's just, it's just a question of your time and you know what's the best use of your time
1: we got lots of time Dave. Oh, okay. right now, that's all we have <laughs> uh, Dave, do, 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 do you we tell have. everyone where they could see dumb money and then have Howard also announce all the stuff that he has going on and what the URLs are for all of his too
0: well I'm going to remind yeah. everyone to smash the like button and subscribe and turn on notifications and find our podcast on Spotify and Apple and all of them uh, subscribe here, subscribe on my personal channel hey there Dave here um, and now Howard anything you want to plug I think the only thing I'll
2: plug is, you know, Twitch is a fun place. You can follow me there. I answer questions. Uh, you know, it's not so big that I can't get to everybody's question. I don't do this stuff on Twitter, but, you know, I, I generally write every day on my blog, howardlindsen.com. You can sign up. It's a free daily email about the markets and my prostate. Um, <laughs> that's true investing. it's, it's true. very personal and my yeah. manscaping and everything that I do and uh, it's easy to find me so howard at lindsen.com is my email as well So it's, uh, it's an mess- email
0: that I filter to the top of my inbox and make sure I read it every day
2: alright I appreciate it guys awesome. thank you support. Howard
0: thank you guys so much appreciate for watching it. we will be back on Thursday with that show that Chris is talking about all about the electrification finding the next Tesla and uh, anything else you know Follow us all on Twitter. If you don't follow Howard on Twitter, you should. Howard Linson, at Howard Linson on Twitter. At Chris Camillo, at Dave Hansen, at Jordan McLean. Jordan underscore McLean, right? Something like that. We're dumb money. We will see you on Thursday.